Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Evil existed long before good. I made myself. I cannot be unmade. I am all powerful. Why, if that's the case, are you unable to escape from this fortress? It's a good question. Why have I let the supreme being keep me here in the fortress of ultimate darkness? Because you... Oh, shut up. I'm speaking rhetorically. Oh, of course. I let him keep me here in order to lull him into a false sense of security. Oh, clever. <laughs> clever. When I have the map, I will be free. And the world will be different. Because I have understanding. Uh, understanding of what, Master? Of digital watches. And soon I shall have understanding of video cassette recorders and car telephones. And when I have understanding of them, I shall have understanding of computers. And when I have understanding of computers, I shall be the supreme being. God isn't interested in technology. He knows nothing of the potential of the microchip or the silicon revolution. Look how he spends his time. 43 species of parrots. Nipples for men. Slugs. Slugs! He created slugs. They can't hear. They can't speak. They can't operate machinery. I mean, are we not in the hands of a lunatic? If I were creating a world, I wouldn't mess about with butterflies and daffodils. I would have started with lasers. Eight o'clock, day one. Sorry. This is blasphemy. This is madness. AM Bytenostic Radio. An initiation by conversation into the dark corners of myth, magic, and meaning. A crash course in cult culture and conspiracy. A virtuous virus invoking and informing history, holiness, and heresy. Each week, I, your host Miguel Connor, commandeers your connection to bring the most accepted and rejected scholars and provocateurs to your attention. Fun, compelling, and deeply weird, this is the blow-your-mind cocktail party conversation you always wanted to listen in on. 
And you deserve to be here, for you are a shining crazy diamond that should be seen and can ignite the universe with so much wonder. And this is an AB Live audio replay, episode 40. A bit different than the usual Led Zeppelin intro, but it was our Halloween special. It's Halloween, and as much fun as it is, it can also be very dangerous. You see, with all you kids running around wearing dark clothing and monster and devil masks that cover your whole face, you all run into a serious risk of becoming devil worshippers, or even Buddhists. Furthermore, when we get Scott Smith at the Virtual Alexandria, you know there's going to be a lot of uncovering of the absurdity of the universe, humans and their religions, and the big guy himself, Yaldi Baldi. I am the supreme being. I'm not entirely dim. Joining Scott, we also had his better half, Sandra Wells, and also Christian Smith and the Moondog himself. The Halloween theme was a Gnostic goring of sacred cows. It was an irreverent discussion of popular esoteric beliefs, from the New Age faiths and astrology to Kabbalah and the Course in Miracles and many other sacred cows. We also discussed the pandemic and the coming sham election. As I mentioned in the show, we'll have another Halloween special on Halloween night, where Anthony Tyler and others will materialize at the virtual Alexandra to talk about demons, evil, and the gnosis of Clive Barker himself. Your suffering will be legendary, even in hell. Don't forget the new merch store, Finding Hermes, and other new features at the Virtual Alexandria. This is, after all, the revolution of the spirit and the mind in the name of Hypatia of Alexandria. We're only getting started in this age of Hermes, these Gnostic times, this Philip K. Dick world, here at the end of the world. Enough of my short drivel. Let us do our Halloween special, complete for AB Prime members and patrons at Patreon. The Empire never ended. Well, it's a well-known fact, Sonny Jim, that there's a secret society of the five wealthiest people in the world, known as the Pentaverite, mm. who run everything in the world, including the newspapers, and meet tri-annually at a secret country mansion in Colorado known as the Meadows. So who's in this Pentaverite? The Queen, the Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders before he went tetsa. Oh, I hated the colonel with his wee beady eyes and that smug look on his face. Oh, you're gonna buy my chicken. Oh, Dad, how can you hate the colonel? Because he puts an addictive chemical in his chicken that makes you crave it fortnightly smart ass. Interesting. Cuckoo. Welcome everybody to AB Live, episode forty. And uh, yes, this is uh, our Halloween special, our yearly special. I don't know how long we've been doing this. I think it's our, well, Scott can tell us, but 
It is the theme tonight is a Gnostic goring of sacred cows, something the Gnostics are very good for doing for many years, for many centuries, and things didn't work out very well for them. So we shall see how it goes tonight. But tonight we are going even for sacred cows in the esoterica. Nobody is safe in this season of the witch. So happy Halloween to everybody. And I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, any house cleaning I need to do, because as always, we want people to go into the chat room so we can later take their questions. And it's always a fun conversation air in the chat room. And as many of you see, I am wearing a mask. So I am very safe from the coronavirus because I have a face covering. And with us, too, somebody who's very safe from the virus is Van Saatchi. Vance, how are you doing tonight? Or did I give away your secret identity? Oh, no. Yeah, I'm Bruce Wayne. You know, <laughs> no, Who am I? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm okay. Yeah, recovering from the non-COVID virus, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the virus fever that did nothing else but give me a high fever for a week. So what can I say? But I'm back. All right. Oh, it well, makes, my, makes my head disappear once in a while, so. <laughs> I can use that kind yeah, of looks like you're ready for Christmas. Awesome. That's what, uh, that's what Chris said, but uh, yeah, it's a Halloween decoration. We have another one for Christmas. See, there's a the pumpkin. You can see the pumpkin. Good deal. And with us, as always, we are very happy to be joined by Scott and Sandra. How are you guys doing tonight? Yeah, we're uh, wearing our Jehovah and Mrs. Jehovah masks tonight <laughs> yeah. a white guy with a beard yeah that's jehovah so we got that and with us too and it's been a while we have christian smith chris how are you doing and thanks for coming back on aeon bite you bet well thanks for inviting me yeah i'm doing okay um uh, yeah sorry i'm not all costumed up like you guys i'm just wearing my earth body suit that's all i got tonight for you well, we're all wearing meat sacks, so we all have. Yeah. Yes, let me not get too youngian to start off with, because God knows. <laughs> but anyway, yes, people are starting to go into the chat room. Hi, we got Nate. Good to see you there. Oops, I just doxed him again. Ian, how you doing? Patrick, good to see you. And people are starting to come in again. As always, if you have questions for our guest tonight or want to talk about the audience please write them in caps or put a lot of little question marks so then we can vance can get to your questions and uh, and please address it to the person you want to talk to oh, other yeah. than that the usual uh house cleaning the audio version will be out in a couple of days on all the podcast providers uh, itunes Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those good places. And this is the, and we, it looks like we are having yet another Halloween special on Halloween night. And this one will focus on demons and also the gnosis of one of the more underrated writers and occultists out there, the great Clive Barker. So it'll be a great evening to deconstruct his uh, his work, his ideas, and then talk about general demonology and other stuff. So really spooky stuff here. And um, hope you can join us. But of course, I will send out 
missives on all this great stuff. And I had some other stuff I was going to write, uh, other news, but I think we should probably get to more or less the many main events we've got going. So, well, first of all, I'd like to say this is what? Oh, my God. It's October 23rd. I think it might, it's going to sound a little strange, but I, I'm one of the few people who don't want 2020 to end. I think I want the insanity just to go until the, uh, the reality just crumbles and turns into atoms right before us. So um, Hold just short of the election, right? Because God knows what's going to happen after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to you then. And yeah, good point, Vince. I was going to talk about one of the reasons to do this Halloween special now is to talk about the election because uh, obviously uh, Western civilization, especially Americans, are under a lot of stress. There's a lot of divide and conquer, not just out on the streets, but I think our own minds are being uh, fragmented so we can uh, have our own little riots inside of our heads. And I think this is all by design by the powers and principalities. So I think dealing with the election is a good idea. Uh, the most important election of our lifetime and all that other nonsense. I think uh, at the end of the day, the uh, I know who the loser is going to be, and that's the American people, because I know the status quo, for the most part, will continue as the Archons continue their hold on this country, Western cult culture, and most of the world. But anyway, I guess I'd start with you, Scott. What do you think about the election or how should people prepare themselves psychologically, spiritually, or any advice on dealing with 2020? Last time you were here, you gave some good advice on the virus, health, uh, keeping yourself centered and sane. But now it's a few months later. It's almost the end of the year. It's the end of the world. And it's the election coming. Well, I am a literally eternal optimist, uh, which is how I think that Gnostics should be. We can have that Buddhist detachment from the chaos of the world. But, you know, the peculiar thing about it is you didn't see a lot of Gnostics committing suicide in a rush to get to the afterlife uh, because, um, you know, you, you asked, how did we start this Halloween and by tradition? My first interview was Halloween of 2014, talking about God Reconsidered. So um, since then, uh, I started a God Reconsidered Facebook page. I've put up 10 blogs where I've elaborated the ideas in my book, which is uh, my book website is godreconsidered.com. And uh, as we've gone deeper into things that I've learned since I wrote the book and talking to you guys listening and participating in some of your other interviews. Um, I, I think that the, the, the key thing is to, and, and one of our interviews was called um, uh, Gnosticism in the 21st Century, Daily Life uh, in the 21st Century, and that is you, it's not a contradiction to be fully involved in the world in helping society and the reality, the material reality we live in, um, and at the same time, uh, putting things in perspective. It's not an easy thing to do, but with prayer and meditation 
and uh, perhaps uh, going to a mass, whether it's a conventional one or a ritual one, or participating in any number of other self-transformative practices, you can keep your sanity. Uh, you can learn to deal with the business world that many of us are involved in. And, um, you know, keep working at doing good to others and, and treating your relationships right. And at the same time, putting things in perspective. Now, without getting onto a rant, um, I'm an almost extinct species of being a militant moderate, or as Jerry Brown, my uh, political hero, once called himself a radical moderate, uh, which means um, I'm extremely involved in politics, but uh, I'm on good terms with people of different viewpoints, and I would like to see uh, a return to, yeah, I, I'm, I'm less, I, I was very, very involved in politics in the 80s and 90s, got to know Harry Reid and Bill Clinton, and um, was there during the Reagan revolution, and, and um, I'm less cynical about it because I've gotten to know some very good people. What the problem with the average person is number one is they're unbelievably uninformed. Uh, this is why Facebook has been able to exploit people's ignorance or the Russians on Facebook and QAnon and all that kind of crap um, because Americans are the most willfully ignorant people in history. Uh, as somebody once said, um, we're illiterate. We could read if we wanted to. Uh, just look at the how few book sales there are. You know, uh, you go to other countries, and this is not the norm. So um, what I would say is now that we're down to the wire and people are paying attention, try to read all viewpoints, try to get informed, follow your divinely inspired conscience, and you should try to make a difference. If it isn't in politics, there are many, many causes. You should try to um, work in the world. And they, the, um, the Cathars and the Manichaeans and the Marcionites and the rest of them, they weren't detached from the world. And they weren't entirely cynical. There's a lot you can do, and um, but you don't have to be wrapped up in the insanity. So that's kind of my take on it. I, um, I recommend that people read history. You can get a lot of inspiration. I've written about most of the presidents for Investors Business Daily. I have a leadership column there. And um, it, the founding uh, fathers are never boring to read or learn about. Um, there are just endless things. You can be very much inspired by the... Hey, Scott, getting a little bit of a feedback. What do you think about Should he stand back oh, I, forward? Yeah, I could I could stand back a little bit or maybe turn. Doesn't make yeah, that same same. Okay, let's see here. Uh, how is that? It's very faint, but we're trying to get the best possible oh, audio. Yeah, let, right. let's hear. Okay, how is this uh, better? Same. same, same. Okay. Yeah, you're perfectly understandable. It's just as a. It's like a ghost. I mean, I can I can try I can try turning it down a little bit more and see. Is that any better? Same. Same. Okay. So we may as well go for loud and blurry then, I guess. Right. Okay. No, I think it's tolerable. Um, anyway. So that's my rant. That's a good rant, I would say. Yeah, history is history. We forget. We forget about history. And as I keep saying, like Mark, as I keep quoting Mark Twain, history doesn't repeat, but it certainly rhymes. There is nothing uh, remarkable, too remarkable about uh, 
today except for the century falling apart and reality breaking down but other than that it's the same old same old so uh what about you christian how has 2020 been for you and how have you coped or what uh, takeaways do you have well for me personally it's been terrible but who cares about me personally right uh, there's bigger things happening in this world, but I'm pretty detached actually from uh, larger events. I'm mostly concerned about what can I affect, and if I can't affect it personally, I mean, what's what's there to worry about? I I don't, you know, I don't get upset over anything that happens in this world, knowing that you know the the world is going to be full of disasters. It always has been, always will be, <clears throat> as long as. I'm not contributing to the disasters. That's all that I care about. But I wanted to comment on Scott's uh, comment about how the, the primary problem with our society is, is our willful ignorance. But in my experience of late, it seems that even people who stay pretty well informed are getting caught up in conspiracy theories and all kinds of crazy thinking. It, has that also been the what you guys have seen. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is what I'm saying. Don't go to Facebook if you want to find out some facts. You can, you can pick your poison as far as the media goes. Now, I've had 2,000 articles published in, uh, in like, ultra-right media, like Investors Business Daily, so I'm on good terms with conservatives. But you have to have fact-checking. I've had all 2,000 of my articles fact-checked, you can't go on Facebook. It's, it's not fact-checked. QAnon, all this kind of stuff, appeals to people who want to believe in conspiracy theories. And one of the things on my agenda tonight is to puncture some holes and superstitions and, and conspiracy theories and stuff that I think too many in the esoteric movement succumb to. Uh, as a business journalist, one of the reasons I got involved in this whole movement and writing God Reconsider was to try to kind of bring a, a, some critical thinking to um, a field where there is a lot of confusion. I, I think it's actually surprising that if you get informed, I mean, read real experts on things and use a little logic, you can figure out a lot of things for yourself. Uh, it's not that there is no way to find truth. Yes, you want to strive for mystical experience, but if we start going through some of the, our favorite topics tonight, we'll make our case for why people should or shouldn't believe in something, and obviously uh, there's very little dogma and Gnosticism, and people are free to disagree. But, uh, you know, I think we should have a healthy debate. <clears throat> Amen. Amen to that. And what about you, Sandra? How has uh, what takeaways do you have from this year spiritually so far? It's overwhelming. As a woman, please don't get me started on Trump. I'll monopolize the whole conversation. <laughs> I didn't bring him up. Most <laughs> <laughs> like, in your head, not mine. <laughs> it's Halloween. Orange man, good on Halloween. <laughs> well, well, well. Well, well, well. Onward and downward. Is yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Things are only going to get stranger. I'm sure 2021 is just going to be full of more um, more joy. And I don't think the election is going to be settled 
on November 3rd, maybe not November 5th, um, Guy Fox Day. That's the day that I'm actually looking forward to the next week, not Election Day. I think it's more authentic, but I don't think the election will be settled. And I think uh, neither side is going to accept the winner or the loser. So we're in for a for a fun game. And I would say uh, best thing you can do with Gnosis is... Uh, what did uh, Hunter S. Thompson say? And I think uh, a cult fan gave me the quote, when the going gets tough, the weird turn professionals. So <laughs> we might as well yeah, use our craziness to our, uh, to our advantage and use it as armor because uh, uh, these are, it's going to get much stranger. So, and uh, since we last talked, um, Scott, what do you think about uh, the whole virus uh, deal? I think the United States is still um, yeah. No, so what it's doing. so people, I, I have a um, a blog on this um, that is again on my God Reconsidered page, or if you're on LinkedIn, uh, Scott Smith, West Hollywood, California. I have a whole blog called the uh, the myth of the distant transmission, casual transmission of COVID-19. And um, as I said before, nothing has changed in terms of the, the fundamental science of it. Um, I come from a back, an integrative medical background, so I don't think that vaccines and medicines and so forth are the be all. I do think the vaccine's real, germs are real. We don't have to deny that, but there are many ways that you can help protect yourself. Um, doctors are by and large pretty clueless. This is the only country in the world that doesn't practice integrative medicine. You know, I went on my Mormon mission in Germany, 1970-71, they already had everything fully integrated. You could go to a pharmacist, talk to them about uh, homeopathy or herbs. The doctors uh, had a whole physician's desk reference on, um, on alternative medicine. They used acupuncture. And they said, we're just pragmatic Germans. We don't understand. You guys are peddling all these legal drugs that are killing everybody with their side effects. Why don't you guys practice preventive medicine? You guys wait until people are sick and then you try to rescue them, you know? So it just, it, 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 I grew up in a family of doctors and I kind of know the mentality and they get one course in medical school on nutrition and they don't remember anything, you know, three years later. So um, you really have to be your own doctor, your own guinea pig. Uh, and I've had a long career in and out of this field. So the bottom line is I'm a believer in masks. I'm a, I was a believer in sanitizing your hands periodically and not touching your face and all that kind of stuff. You, you should be prudent. You don't have to be hysterical or pragmatic. I think there's way too much fear that, you know, you're going to run into a viral cloud on your jog. Uh, you're going to get within six feet of somebody and you're going to come down with the black death and so forth and so on. I think the reactions on both sides are extreme, but I think being prudent is sensible. Again, I believe in a pragmatic Gnosticism that can live in the daily world and treat other people well. And at the same time, remember the bigger picture and, uh, and, and the, the evidence for near-death experience is so compelling. There's no need for us to fear death. Uh, and try to avoid suffering if you can and inflicting it on others. So 
if anybody wants the, the details on the science of COVID, again, you can look at my blog and uh, post comments if you want. Well said indeed, and I would agree with you. We are a very unhealthy society, and it shows, and I don't think the powers of be are going to do anything to reform it. I think the healthcare will continue as, uh, as it's going to continue. So, well, why don't we start uh, goring some of those <laughs> sacred cows? I guess it's a bull goring a sacred cow, uh, something like that. But uh, uh, maybe I should put on the mask. Can somebody play uh, Copacabana by uh, Barry Manilow? But um, no, I'm just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, giving away my age. Yeah, I've got like a hundred all these masks from the kids' Halloween and my wife and all that. And so I, I decided to raid my all my old kids' uh, Halloween masks and have some fun tonight. Um, they're all watching Hamilton in the, in the next room, so they're probably having a good time too. So, uh, but oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, sacred sacred cows. Uh, one of the, we've had this talk before, Scott, and that has been A Course in Miracles. And obviously, A Course in Miracles has many parallels to Gnosticism. And A Course in Miracles has been very elevated this year by, of course, the, uh, the, the, by Marianne Williamson and her running for, uh, for well, for the Democratic nominee and uh, Richard Smoley's book um, was it a religion of love? And I interviewed uh, Richard for this. You can find it on his YouTube channel. As always, Richard brings so much uh, excellent data and inspirational information. And he has been uh, he's well, he's been part of a course in miracle for much of his life, and he says it's benefited him. I don't know about Williamson. I mean, she's gotten very rich off of it. I know that. But I do like uh, Richard's work. So anyway, what do you think, Scott, about this sacred cow in the esoteric of sorts? Yeah, the, um, I love Richard Smalley. His How God Became God is one of the most important books on Gnosticism ever written. Um, I read Theology of Love, and... Um, but it kind of comes down to listening to his interview and reading the book. He doesn't vouch for really for what I would call the fundamental uh, theology, as it were, and claim that it's correct. He kind of likes the, uh, the more loving Christian that results. Um, you know, this is part of Marianne Williamson's um, appeal, and Sandra knew her very well. And so uh, I won't comment on that. I went, I met her and I went to a few meetings, but um, if, if you doubt what I'm going to say, all you have to do is look closely at Smalley's book, especially towards the end, or look on Wikipedia, which has a pretty uh, objective summary. And what it really teaches, and they don't always make this clear, is everything in this reality is illusion. We are dreaming of our separation. Uh, as it as it's put by Course in Miracles, we sin by rejecting God and making a universe of time and space. Now, actually, that sounds like the demiurge, um, and uh, Smalley goes on to say that you know there's no death because there's no body. Uh, nothing in the world that happens uh, is real. 
Um, and yet at the same time, they have this weird paradox that you kind of run into in trying to deal with the, the people who believe in this. Um, if the creation is not real, and we're really not real in this dimension, um, this, this kind of reminds me of Advaita Vedanta, which insists that um, everything's an illusion except Brahman. So I've asked people uh, who are advocates of it, and that's the most popular form of Hinduism here in America, not it's the minority view in, in India. So if it's all an illusion, why are you striving so hard to realize uh, Brahman? Brahman is it. You're not real. Why the effort? Uh, as a matter of fact, um, it's um, Course in Miracles has been described by one critic as Advaita Vedanta in Christian dress. Um, I made an argument uh, on in blog number two called, Is There an Objective Reality? This is a part of my series, The Case for Gnosticism, on my God Reconsidered Facebook page, in which I said, look it, you can have telescopes take photos of the universe expanding and, and, and stars and, you know, all this. It doesn't involve human uh, observation. So this whole notion that there's no reality, it's all subjective, is simply not true. And there's plenty of evidence that these, um, uh, these illusionists, as I call them, uh, listen, uh, yeah, I, I think the evidence is in favor of the idea that of 300 to 500 million people died of smallpox in the 20th century, uh, probably at least 80 million people from World War II. If you don't believe in smallpox or World War II, then we really can't have a conversation. If you want to go to a touchy-feely religion that um, says everything's an illusion, but be nice to your fellow illusionists, uh, so be it. But I really think that um, from the standpoint of my agenda, which is to figure out what I think is true about metaphysics, um, Course in Miracles is an illusion. <laughs> and have you heard that it might be uh, a CIA PSYOP? Have you heard anything of that, uh, that <laughs> theory, Scott? Uh, that, uh, would, uh, that sounds like a QAnon rumor, but one that is true. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and a little on a side note, Sandra, you were, uh, speaking of uh, controversial cults perhaps, uh, you were a follower of Rashnish? Well, I was a follower of Rashnish because I worked with my teacher and the work he gave me was so difficult, it was so much to do. When he suggested I read the first book, I got under the spell of Rashnish. And Rashmish was very, very seductive because he was like a teacher of ecstasy. So much so that this the first real cult I got involved in. I went all the way to Oregon myself, always became a sannyasin, wore the orange clothes, went there. There were Rolls Royces, there was guns. I read a little bit about the propaganda about Sheila and all the things that were going on, but I completely avoided I wanted he was still before he took the vow of silence. This was in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Oregon. And everybody there was in the same ecstasy. It lasted quite a long time. And you don't realize until you're out of it what seduced you into it. 
The idea, the books were great. I have all his books to this day. I've got 150 of his books. Every magazine he ever reviewed, he's ever been in or whatever. I just love that man for some reason. Now the spell is broken. I never became a real sannyasi. I walked away and then everything fell apart. He got arrested. He went to jail. He died. And everything was crazy. But when you're in it, you don't see it. You're in a state of bliss. It's a real cult. It was really seducting. And it was really potent for me. And I remember being there and thinking all these fabulous people all involved. Everybody loved his books. He loved women. He put them on a pedestal. He really did. And he was such a strange, educated, I mean, he read every book he could possibly imagine. He was very, very, very fabulous for me at that time. Now I look back, I think, what a nutcase I was. I didn't really want to do all the things I was supposed to do with my own teacher. This was a way out, a way of not confronting the work ahead of me. And that's my experience with Rashnish, who I still, to this day, keep his books because they remind me of that state. And why did you do what? Uh, what made you decide to leave? You said you were in a state of bliss. What made you snap out of it and leave before everything fell apart? What snapped out of it was I saw all the conflicts there, and I read about all the things in the Rolls Royces and the, the propaganda and people fainting in his presence. Really and truly, they fainted because just the sight of him, the smell of him, would make them just faint in bliss. And I think I just came to the realization that. A big money-making machine, and that the guy was really crazy. He was nuts. <laughs> and my end result was he was nuts. But a great writer. Do you, do you think? Uh, do you think Marianne led a cult? Well, Marianne came at a different time. This is right after the AIDS thing. All the gays needed a lot of validation. They needed love. They needed acceptance. She gave these fabulous inspirational meetings. I went to them myself. Took my mother, who was so negative. My mother fell in love with her with no background whatsoever. She was very, very wonderful and very, very embracing. And then it seemed like, you know, years later, I recently met her, 25 years later. You, were close, you and your mother were close. And me and my mother were close to her at the time when we knew her. And then um, that was some time ago. She had like, she's going through some personal problems and she kind of adopted my own mother as her own mother, truly. And uh, it was remarkable because she was fabulous speaker. She, her voice and her way of pres presenting her information was wonderful. And the gays absolutely ate it up and loved it beyond belief. But I met her years later, as I said. She loved my art. And I didn't recognize her 25 years had gone by. And I said to her, she said, I love your art. And I said, so what do you do? With a rather patronizing tone to my voice. She, I'm a writer. And I said, what, what have you written? What have you written? She's well, I was involved with Carson Miracle. I said, that's not so. That's Marianne Williamson's work. She's I am Marianne Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. This one, how long ago was that? Yeah, a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. Yeah, right before, before she ran for president. I um, didn't recognize her. Yeah. Anyway. Very interesting. And would you say she's a, I would say she's an authentic spiritual person. Obviously, I wouldn't, uh, for whatever flaws I might have, what do you think? I think she really thinks she is. I really think she has a fabulous message. I think that she is very, very upbeat. Even, even listening to her when she ran for president, she had a following. She has an authentic tone to her. I think she really believes it. I think she really authentically believes she is. She is. She is. She is the person she represents. Indeed. 
Oh, I, I agree. I attended one of her rallies here, and I, I think she's uh, she's the real deal. Um, obviously, not the deal that America needs because she's way too uh, extreme for most people. But if you know, I think that if if uh, we were a more enlightened society, maybe she would be should be the the right kind of person to pull things together for us. I think she's the real deal for an illusion. <laughs> now, I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I do agree with uh, Scott that the, uh, the course of miracles is, is kind of an illusion. Uh, so I, I don't buy into her, her metaphysics, but I like her politics. Oh, okay. And what would you, what, why do you disagree with the metaphysics of uh, a course in miracles, Christian? Well, so I agree with everything that Scott said here. You know, I often disagree with Scott, but on this point, he's he's right on the money uh, all the way down the line. <clears throat> uh, and I'll just add to a little bit of what he said. Um, so my main problem with ASIM, even though it, A Course in Miracles, even though, yeah, it has a lot of Gnostic elements to it, uh, it fundamentally is anti-Gnostic because it denies the reality of suffering and evil. And it kind of pisses me off, to be honest, because it does it in such a way as to be absolutely seductive. It, it, it's, oh, it, it's, it uses such elevated ideas that sound so enlightened. It uses such beautiful language, and it has a lot of great messages in it. But the fundamental message is that suffering isn't real. And I, I think it's almost karmic justice that at the end of uh, the life of, um, what's her name, the author, she, she actually uh, ended up refuting the book uh, because she was going through uh, terrible suffering in her life. No. And there, there's reports about how uh, she said that she hated the book and called uh, the followers um, – uh, cultists and 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 it kind of speaks to the fundamental flaw in the book, which is that it doesn't actually address people. It, it doesn't doesn't address suffering in any substantial way, because all it does is is denied. It says that the miracle, the real miracle of forgiveness, is to come to a state of enlightenment where you realize that there really is no evil. There really was no suffering. It's all just an illusion. Therefore. There's nothing to forgive. So that's the big miracle. Forgiveness is the big miracle, and it's based on the idea that there's nothing to forgive. And I say, well, that's a pretty weak miracle compared to the kind of forgiveness that I think God is capable of. So in my theology, first of all, suffering is absolutely real. Even if the world is Maya in some sense, even if... Uh, you know, it's it's an illusion pulled over uh, our eyes to make us, you know, believe certain things, whatever. The fact is that our experiences are real and the suffering is real, regardless of, of you know, whatever the objective uh, reality is like. Subjectively, our suffering is real. And the the real miracle of forgiveness is that God is able to take suffering and genuine evil and not just say, oh, that doesn't exist, which is like the worst insult to somebody who is, is going through some severe suffering is just to say, oh, your suffering isn't real. No. What God does is, is he says, 
I'm there with you, I'm suffering with you, and I'm going to take that suffering and do something good with it. I can transmute it. I can pull something good out of what is evil. This is where people get confused, unfortunately, into thinking that evil's not real because there is this ability for God to help us transmute or redeem evil and turn it into something good. And so people think, oh, well, actually, the good was just there all along and evil was just an illusion. No, the whole, I, the whole miracle of redemption or forgiveness is based, it presumes that evil is real. And there, otherwise, there's nothing to transmute, there's nothing to forgive, there's nothing to redeem. So that's my take on things. Well said. And for the audience, uh, do you want to share, you are actually uh, in... You're studying to be a priest, right? Uh, yes, it's a very slow process. It always uh, is. Yeah. But but uh, I am I'm moving along step by step in the process of becoming a Gnostic priest, and as part of that, I'm also uh, attending a, a school of theology. And the main focus of my studies is process theology. So that's where a lot of my comments come from: is that process theology perspective based on the philosophy of Alfred North Whitehead. But I'm here in LA studying um, the uh, the sacraments under uh, Dr. Heller. So. Oh, wonderful. From Ecclesiognostica. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, I still like to watch his uh, videos. He's still putting out videos, and they're very cool. I think he did the Hem of the Pearl this time. And that was yeah. That's always a, a greatest hit when it comes to Gnosticism. So, Awesome. And uh, quickly, what is process theology for the audience that might not know? Uh, process theology is a kind of postmodern um, philosophy and theology, depending on how you look at it. It's sort of a, a philosophy that yielded uh, a theology that um, is, it is pretty Gnostic in, in many regards. Um, it's based on the denial of... Um, classical substance metaphysics, which define God as a, a sort of impassable, absolute, unmoved mover. And Crassus says, no, that's not what God is. Um, or that, that might be part of what God is, but that's not a complete description. God is uh, fundamentally relational and is capable actually of change it's, it's god is not some sort of abstract principle god is a living changing uh being that um uh, exemplifies love as opposed to say a kind of love love in a, a a radical way uh what we humans understand is love as opposed to some sort of like abstract concept of selfless love that isn't really emotional which the classical um theologians called agape which they said was love but without passion or some kind of nonsense like that so that's a little bit of what process is about oh, well thank you for that and appreciate it well vance do you have a comment or a question from the audience yeah um i was just thinking about all the stuff for the course of miracles which i'm a little bit familiar not a practitioner of it so much is tied up in words, our language and our words. What kind of suffering? What kind of pain? You know, you, you got to 
dig back down and get into experience, you know, evil. Well, somebody bats me on the head, you know, I consider that evil, but that's because my definition of evil is anything that causes me physical harm. But when you get into the psychological harm, this is where, when you get into the course of miracles, there's a way of listening to what they say. Because for a long time, I had a, a manager that was really into the course of miracles. I was going through a tough time with a very irascible um, fellow, let's see, or a vendor of ours, let's say, and uh, which has since resolved uh, itself very nicely. But um, he always said, oh, the dream, life is a dream and everything. So, uh, but the thing is, so much of our suffering is self-generated because of the little word games and programs that we put into ourselves. So that's another kind of pain, suffering evil. And I think Course in Miracles was originally rooted from a palliative psychological standpoint because they were psychologists, right? Mm -hmm. And so they made it kind of into a religion. And what you tell, if you're a therapist, what you tell people is you point out their own role and their own responsibility in it. And from that standpoint, there is no evil, quote unquote, because what most people think is evil whatever like uh, let's say the election oh yeah the election well you know what take a step back from it stop reacting to it start listening then take another approach to it and then it's not suffering it's maybe a little bit annoying which is a tiny bit but you see what i'm saying it's it's all how you approach it now when it comes to sickness and and real pain the experience of that that's another whole thing you can't really compare that with things that you can do something about so that's that's kind of my quick thoughts on Course of Miracles. Um, uh, it's awesome. and you know as far as illusion is concerned, I, I, Scott and I have talked about this before on previous shows. I think um, I think there is such a thing as a world within a world, and it's very clear that there's another world beyond this one to me. And the reason that I have one thing that I always say, forgive me if I'm repeating it. Um, the laws of the universe, what makes an electron negative, what makes a you know, proton positive, all this kind of thing, what makes quarks, quarks, those laws are not written anywhere in what we call the material universe. Energy, it's like you can't find any of that. There's another kind of meta world where all this is defined and so much more, you know, that this is just the little things that we observe and we come up with all these laws. There's something beyond this. So there's such a thing as maybe this is relatively a construct within a larger construct. And from that standpoint, but still, I agree with Scott, we have to deal with it. It's like maybe it's an illusion, but it's like a dream that you don't wake up from, you know, or, or you, you wake up from every every morning. And, the, and, and you know, it's like Philip K. Dick says, reality is anything when you stop believing it, it's still around. <laughs> yep. So that's what I have to say. Um, Statira Talaya was wondering if anybody knows about the Baha'is and if they're similar to the um, Course in Miracles. Does anybody know about Baha'is? Oh, Chris does. Um, I'm thinking about this. Okay, so are they similar to the Course in Miracles? I don't know how to answer that, to be honest. <laughs> they, they believe that, that the world is an illusion or, that, you know, the Advaita no. type thing? or No, no, no. They're not, they're not like the Advaita Vedantists as, as far as I understand. They're um, Islamic-based, aren't they? Or related? They're oh. Yeah, they're a mixture of... Yes. Yeah. Yes. But but they but they do come out of yeah they 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 are 
they, they originated, of course, in Iran, and and so they they have and so there's a heavy Sufi influence uh, on their mm-hmm. thinking, um, and uh, Islam in general is sort of the base from which from which they come. But but they are syncretic, yeah, yeah. I mean, they incorporate ideas from Christianity and Judaism, as Zoroastrianism, yeah. Are they overly love and light, as she wants? To, and I would say yes. You know I would why? Say- I went to a Seals and Crofts concert in the 70s. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Hummingbird, Don't Fly Away and all that. Uh, Anyway, after the concert, they said, anybody who wants to learn about the Baha'i religion, you can stay and we're going to give a talk on it. So I did. And so we sat down, you know, everybody sat down on the floor and they were there and they talked to them and they tried to convert us to the Baha'i religion. I mean, it sounded good, you know, I mean, love and light and all that type of thing. I remember that. They believe in, um, uh, they're very, um, um, very uh, pro intermarrying between races and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, they felt that in order to unify the world, they'd have to, people would have to intermarry so that there weren't so much conflict between the races. So that was very clear to me. And, yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful religion. I, I love it. Um, the, the only, it, the only issue that I have with it, uh, and, and this isn't really necessarily an issue with the religion itself so much as the Baha'i people the practitioners haven't perhaps um, allowed themselves to integrate a certain amount of social change into their religion regarding their attitudes towards homosexuality. And to some extent they've got, they've got some gender, other gender issues as well, uh, such as uh, not allowing women to serve on the um, uh, international house of justice uh, so, so they've, they've got, they've got some issues there. My, my main problem with them is about, uh, not, um, basically condemning homosexuality. But, uh, other than that, I think that they're beautiful. And in, in many ways, they're similar to the Theosophical Society as far as their, their vision for the world, uh, because they are seeking to unite all of the world's religions, which is rather interesting, uh, as, you know, a religion in themselves, um, it, that's a that's a rather ambitious project, a religion that seeks to unite all of the other religions. Uh, so there's that's a, that's a difficult project to do. Um, I would think the Theosophical Society's approach would be a little easier rather than uh, being a religion serving as a medium for religions to interface with each other. Uh, it makes a little more sense to me, but um, that is the Baha'i uh, vision: is is a united world that's that's um, not only united religiously, but politically. And, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of people that are afraid of like one world conspiracies and such, but um, I think the Baha'i are, are actually on the right track with this. That's just my personal opinion. I'd like to gore the sacred cow. Yes. Yeah, so far, uh, nobody's touching Baha'i. Everybody. Yeah, well, here, 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 Scott, take a, je- a stab. Yeah, um, so, uh, yes, I think uh, the people in Baha'i, like many Buddhists and uh, many Freemasons and uh, Sufis and so forth, you know, you can, uh, I grew up Mormon, I think very highly of most of the Mormons, and, you know, you can lead a, a very good ethical life and spiritual life, uh, regardless of your particular uh, religion. Sandra and I love traveling in Muslim countries, we really enjoy uh, Islamic society, but uh, from a metaphysics point of view, first of all, um, there's a famous book, I forget the author's name, called God is Not One, uh, 
uh, you know, the, the liberal movement is to say, you know, all religions are really teaching the same thing. No, they're not. Uh, you know, if you're really interested in metaphysical truth and not just making nice with everybody, uh, you have to make some decisions. Where I became disillusioned with Baha'i was um, my first book was called, um, was on, uh, or actually my, was it my second, third, I forget. Anyway, um, oh, 1994, I published a book called The Soul of Your Pet, um, and it was, uh, it's still on Amazon, it's having an afterlife there, but it was on the evidence for the souls of animals. So I started calling around to the different religions to find out if they believe that animals had souls. I think that I made a very compelling uh, argument that there is really surprisingly massive evidence that animals do survive death, some animals, at least the animals that we are companions with. Um, and I compiled this book based on, on a lot of really amazing evidence from people who never had a supernatural experience in their life. They weren't religious, and uh, they didn't even have a connection with the animal ghosts they encountered. Um, but at the end, I went through and showed how the Bible conceded that animals had souls similar to humans. And so I started calling other religions, and the Baha'i told me, nope, we don't believe animals have souls. And um, one of the famous psychics that Sandra uh, knew once told her, and he was otherwise, I think, correct about things. He said, nope, animals don't have souls. Well, I think the evidence is otherwise. So um, I think that their goals are admirable, their society is admirable, but I think their, um, the notion that all religions are really the same thing uh, is wrong, and I think they are certainly wrong about the idea of animals having souls. So uh, I'm not going to stick the knife any further in. Um, I don't want to kill them, but uh, I can bleed <laughs> a little bit for Halloween here. Uh, let me just add a comment. So whoever, whatever Baha'i told you that was misinformed. And no, the Baha'i scriptures teach that animals have souls. So I, I don't know where that guy was coming from. But uh, I think that you're right about there being a problem with the Baha'i project of uniting all religions as a religion that is seeking to unite all other religions under you. How do you do that without basically conquering the other religions and just assimilating them Riding into a your few own eggs to make that omelet. Huh? It's yeah, politics right. again, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they've got a real challenge. You know, they, they would like to preserve the diversity of the world's religions. Uh, so they, they do see the problem, but I think overcoming it is perhaps an impossibility. And that, that's where I would favor the Theosophical Society's approach, which is why I'm a member of the Theosophical Society and not a Baha'i. Mm. Awesome. Maybe then, it's so much not not uh, does God exist or, or like well, who isn't God, right? That's the big argument between the religions. Who isn't God? Like <laughs> Gnostics figure, well, we all have the divine spark, and mystics say actually we're all God, like manifesting in different spots, and the Catholics say no, you know, God is God, Jesus is God, Holy Holy Ghost is God, and everybody else is a worm. So, and, and along with the Protestants and. I'm not sure what the Islamic faith uh, teaches pretty much the same thing, but that's the big dividing line, you know, who's God and who's not. Clapton is God as far as I'm concerned. At least that was the old. <laughs> oh, yeah, look, we, got, we, we have to tip our hat to Van Halen, right? Oh, uh, yes, yes. 
And the amazing Randy, the 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 gore, you know, uh, cosmic cow gore of all time uh, left the earth. And I hope that when he sees the light, the flying saucers come through and the psychics say, we know what you're thinking. Goes, yes, no, you can't know what I'm thinking. You can't be psychic. That's my hope for an amazing Randy. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Scott probably was, has a lot to say about that passing. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, I um, I read Randy's book on Rory Geller before Sandra and I uh, tested Rory for um, Spate Magazine or Psychic, whatever that was. Anyway, we we um, we t were going to test Rory, and I was a skeptic about Rory. Uh, Sandra actually had a, a long relationship with Andre Paharic, who brought Peter Hurtpost and Rory Geller to America. But uh, anyway, we had this assignment. And I was convinced that Uri was a phony because I read James Randi's book about Uri. And later on, when I read Scott Rogo's um, uh, book about um, something like, uh, you know, um, something uh, on the order of, you know, evidence for the paranormal, uh, where he goes through all the, um, the tests that Uri had gone through up at SRI, Stanford Research Institute, uh, there's no question that Rory had real powers, but I was brainwashed by James Randi, and I went into the interview, and James Randi instructed you on how to trick Rory and how to deal with him, and, um, the, you know, and I found out he was just wrong. Um, and, and Scott Rogo goes into great detail where his criticisms are uninformed and stuff like that. So um, I think that uh, James Randi is not in hell because Gnostics don't believe in that. I think he's in some kind of limbo. Uh, Dr. Heller and I agree that, uh, you know, based on the evidence from uh, uh, near-death experiences, people seem to go into some kind of dimension uh, for those of similar consciousness, which is a factor in why they seem to be greeted by those of their own faith. Um, you know, we talked in that recent debate on reincarnation um, about how uh, the spirits in the other world, some of them want to be reborn. And there's this whole debate going on, you know, is it a good thing to be reborn or not? And stuff. And the Mormons always taught People don't change their personalities or their religions once they die. Uh, just because you're dead doesn't mean that you're any wiser about metaphysics. Uh, I, I remember that George Anderson, the great medium, once he was a believer in reincarnation, he asked his dead sources, is reincarnation true? And they said, well, we've heard about it. So if you're already dead and you still haven't figured that part out, I guess there's a lot of mysteries on the other side. And James Randi is in kindergarten, apparently, from what I've heard. But Scott, uh, if we are to, you're talking about personalities don't change throughout time, different dimensions, but what if the Buddhists are right and there is no authentic self or we can't know ourselves? We're just a whole bunch of skandhas legoed together. Yeah. And I know Buddhists well, will get mad at me for this, but sorry, guys. Uh, Buddha said Nirvana Samsara were separate. He said certain things, and then later on it got corporatized. But the original teachings of the Buddha, which I think are pretty punk rock, uh, I like them. They're edgy. They're you know I, I like that kind of dark existential vibe. But uh, but anyway, enough. Yeah. Of well, I, let me gore the ultimate sacred cow, the D Dalai Lama. Um, oh. <laughs> Thinking of CIA. Yeah. <laughs> 
Listen, I, I admire Pope Francis. It doesn't mean I agree with Catholic theology. I admire the Dalai Lama. But, but here are my problems with Buddhism. Um, and I've got a whole chapter, sample chapter at godreconsidered.com uh, on this. Um, first of all, I think um, I, I have read Sam Harris and all the atheists and the Buddhists and stuff about their arguments that there is no self. Uh, I think it's contradicted in a number of ways. What they start doing is they, they get confused because they say, well, you know, um, we're different than we were years ago. Yes, and our bodies uh, change cells completely about every seven years. It doesn't mean we are not still the people that we are. The near-death experiences show that we survived death. I discussed in God Reconsidered and in some of my blogs on afterlife, there is extremely compelling evidence for afterlife. The skeptics want to deny this. And likewise, the personality continues into at least the next life. What they get, where Sam Harris and the others get confused, is they say, well, there's two sides of the mind, and sometimes one gets paralyzed, and there's a subconscious. All of this is true. It doesn't mean that there is not a soul that leaves the body at death and has some, carries with it some of the personality. Personalities can evolve. When I say that we don't ch change, I mean, you know, we don't suddenly become enlightened just because we're dead. This is the problem with most psychics, most um, prophets and so forth. They think that any angel who comes and visits them, and I knew Mormons who had angels appear to them or, or entities, that they must be speaking the truth. You know, uh, Course in Miracles. This was told to us, it must be true. Just because some supernatural intelligence tells you something, uh, it may be the uh, other world's version of Facebook. The fact of the matter is that uh, there are competing religions in the next life. Uh, the Virgin Mary appears so every so often to apparently convince people uh, of Catholicism. Uh, I interviewed um, a, a famous member of Hare Krishna who wrote about all the Hindu deities who would appear to Hindus and, you know, convince them that Hinduism was the real thing. So going to Buddhism, um, there, there is a lot of compelling evidence for the self. Uh, that doesn't mean that your consciousness or your self doesn't change over time. Now, the, the other problem I have is this notion uh, to kind of do a different twist on what uh, Vance was talking about. <clears throat> yes, uh, Buddha's teaching that, um, you know, that one of the principal goals is to kind of de to get some perspective on suffering, that much of it's self-inflicted. I think the problem with Buddhism is that it emphasizes too much this notion of your perception. Uh, yes, uh, it's been shown um, that people suffer from divorce or the Holocaust if you survive the death camp. Amazingly enough, about three months is the average time from trauma where you think you will never marry again until you're on eHarmony. Uh, people are resilient. Homeostasis, which is kind of getting back to our normal kind of calmer self uh, is a very 
good at, at causing us to be resilient. Yes, there are lessons to be a, a, er, learned from adversity. That doesn't mean that the great metaphysical truth is that suffering all is all in our minds. Um, I think where the Buddha, you know, it, think about the way things were in 600 BC compared with today. You know, we've got vaccines. We know something about nutrition. Uh, we don't have the average uh, historical and prehistorical 25% of children dying. Uh, you know, we don't have that much suffering going on in comparison in terms of like the physical world. Uh, the, the, the notion that suffering, the biggie, is your attitude towards it, I think is wrong. And I think it's misplaced and too much emphasis is put on. Um, I honor the, uh, the Theravadic approach to uh, Buddhism, but let's remember the, the Theravada was the, at the time of Buddha's death, there were already 18 different sects. Uh, they didn't agree while Buddha was teaching what, what the teaching was. And then the notion that Mahayana Buddhism, which came 500 years later, somehow got the real revelation when people were ready for it. Um, I think that's crap. I think that Mahayana Buddhism appeals to the masses and says, like, it's not for the esoteric. It's not just for the priests to, uh, you know, get to enlightenment. It's for the masses. And um, yeah, that has great appeal. But it, as I list in my book, if you start studying the different Buddhist sects, they are radically different. Hinduism just says, hey, we're a big family of kind of related uh, religions. Buddhism tries to pretend like they're all teaching the same thing, but you know, they're ready to excommunicate each other. So um, I, I think that Buddhists have something to teach us in terms of, uh, you know, living a calm life. But uh, from my point of view, um, it's got the wrong metaphysics. And uh, I think that uh, there is, is a tendency in Buddhism to minimize evil uh, as a real thing. So I'm not a big fan of it. But, uh, you know, it's better than being an, a, a fundamentalist evangelical Christian or a bomber from some Islamic company. Well, it seems the theme tonight is uh, we're goring these syncretic one world religions who deny suffering and evil and all that. So it's obviously all of this is a plot by the CIA and the Illuminati to uh, make us weak and get COVID and lower our immune system. And uh, I don't know, buy new age books or calendars. So. <laughs> evil. We, uh, we, we are guarded. Yeah, we, we are guarded. Anyone else would like to speak to this about uh, Buddhism or the cell? Vance, Christian, Sandra? Well, yeah, the I think evil, are all evil, evil, evil is the sacred cow, and I think we should go <laughs> that. Because what kind of evil? Where does it come from? You know, I got my own idea. I think um, evil is the little bugs in the logical system that makes up the physical and energy universe. The little conflicts that can't be resolved, the paradoxes that every logical system has to contain, you know, uh, life and death, all these different things. But uh, 
So um, I think it's it's kind of when we talk about evil, you got to be really careful because how about intentional evil? Somebody that plans it, that like enjoys the suffering of others, that likes to trap people. That's a, a trapping people is is a big game. Hunters do it, right? Hunters trap, and they're humans that trap other humans. They they go after them like game, like every political system, you know, every political season. You know, we're all game for these big you know hunters they're all hunting us down <laughs> and it's like trump is killing people with covid and then you know <laughs> no joe biden's killing people by doing this or that i mean, I mean everybody's it all comes down to that right like just hunting hunter biden it seems fear yeah fear fear oh god let's not get into that you know and uh, i'm selling copies of his laptop hard drive by the way if anybody wants <laughs> not really but uh you know, you know, get, uh, but, but we had um, uh, somebody wanted to know, Astrox Foundation, we have a whole foundation online with us tonight, wanted to know if uh, is any religion that anybody knows of here in, in the group uh, present the idea that the soul can choose reincarnation or not, that it's actually a choice as opposed to being forced on you. Well, that's, in Pla that's what Plato said in the myth of, was it Ur? You do get a choice where you're going to be in your in the next life, but you have to drink the the waters of Lethe or whatever. Oh, yeah. You choose, you drink it a lot, and then you forget. But your soul has already has been working on your next life. You can choose a dictator and all that. So, but he really was a religion and a philosophy, huh? There wasn't really much difference. There wasn't a difference back then, and it was a way of life. Uh, being a philosopher is just being a mystic. Um, I think we evolved from there, huh? But I don't know any other religions where you would choose that. You guys can, unless I'm missing Gnosticism, because you can write about your own The Jedi. Ah! Do the Jedi believe this? Hey, it, you know, Darth Vader reincarnated. We saw him, right? Well, no, he didn't reincarnate. They were used in the afterlife because he was a shitty actor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that the thing of a built-in vape? <laughs> <laughs> Darth Vapor. <laughs> By the way, I'm jealous of everyone. Everybody has vapes, and I don't vape, so I got, I got myself this. And there you have it, my beloved truth seekers. The first part of our Halloween special, a Gnostic goring of sacred cows. The spooky, creepy skeleton coolness continues in our second part. And I love the section on whether we can trust divination tools like the tarot or astrology. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage the private RSS feed from AB Prime or Patreon that works in the podcast provider of your choice. So please become a member of Patreon at Patreon and support this Red Pill Cafeteria. Go to the God Above God Dad Cam for means to assist and get the infernal rewards. Or just contact my ass. I can't do it without you. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics and Hermetics is more important than ever. Might be the only way to get out of this eternal fright night. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the 
desert of the real. Hello and goodbye as always. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.